You know, we had a word, and I need to say this. Uh, we, we had a word. We were praying this morning before the first service over in the prayer room, a bunch of us over there, and somebody had a prophetic word about this day, and I really think it, it needs to be shared. Um, it was a picture of like at TSA, when you're going to the airport and you go through the thing and, and, and some metal makes it, it goes off, you know, and they have to do all that. And me, you know, I, I have donated so many of these little things right here. Just uh, take it. Just take it. Be, be blessed. Just my little contribution to the U.S. government, TSA, whatever, wherever those things go. There's got to be zillions of them somewhere, right? But so the word was, as we're coming in here, uh, the Lord is, there's, there's things that, are, that we need to get out of our pockets. Things like, things that just need to go. Things that hinder us from worship. This message is actually on worship today. So things like, you can help me think about it here, anger, anxiety, yeah, take it. Fear, unforgiveness, just take it. You know, all those different kinds of things. The Lord wants to just set us free to really enter into His presence, to worship Him with joy. That's what we're talking about today. So, amen. We are a great word. It encouraged me. And, and I think, you know, there might even be, you know, that might be for somebody as we're getting to some ministry time today as well that, um, you know, we want to be responsive people that when something needs to go, man, let's just come into God's presence. The ant goes off. And just get it out of your pockets, let it go, let it go from your heart, those kind of things. We're in the second part of a series, uh, third part in, in this Preparing for Christmas Advent 2015 series, and I'm calling this one Patiently Waiting with Joy. So, so far we've talked about longing for Jesus, we've been focusing on the second coming of Christ. Advent is a time when you remember the coming of Christ and you look forward to the second coming of Christ. So, we've talked about longing for Christ. Last week we talked about preparing our hearts for the coming of Christ. And one of the big things that we talked about last week was Paul encouraged us out of Philippians 1 was when the Lord's coming and when you're looking forward to the, the day of the Lord, let love abound. May love abound in your hearts more and more with knowledge and depth of insight and that you'll be able to discern what is best and pure and blameless and have your heart changed and have fruit produced in your life that looks like God's righteousness, you know, as you expect the coming of Jesus. So here's the question for today. And it's because we're talking about being patient, you know, waiting. It's like, what do you do when, you know, what happens to the love in your heart when it takes a long time for something to happen? So when Jesus, so the first century church, if you read the early letters, it's like they expect Jesus to come back just, just any moment. And then as the New Testament goes on, it's like, well, hey, he may be, it may be a little longer than what we first thought. I mean, they're thinking 20 years, 30 years, Jesus is coming back any moment. And then as it's, they're realizing, hey, we're going to need to wait here a little bit. What do you do when love starts to be tested over time? because you're having to wait? That's a great question. How do you keep love going? How do you protect love when it's tested? You know, Paul himself, the Apostle Paul, he's going to Damascus to persecute Christians, and he gets a blinding light vision, sees Jesus. Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he gets this word from Jesus, you're going to be my witness, you're going to be my witness to the nations. 
to all the ethnic groups of the world, not just the Jews. You're going to be my witness to the nations. And if you know the story, you'll realize from the time he gets that word to when he actually gets sent out by the Antioch church to go to the nations, how many years? 14 years. 14 years of waiting, of delay, of difficulty, of, you know, and so this word today is what do we do as we're waiting for the coming of Christ? Because it's not just about the coming of Christ, it's also about all the other delays that are in our lives, right? We all, come on. Okay, so we're going to play the quick survey game this morning. I love this game, famous game show. You'll place the slide up. This one is on the fruit of the Spirit. So you can vote more than once. You can have more than one favorite. But just, uh, just let me know as we go through this, who all your favorite fruit of the Spirit is love. Come on. A bunch of love. Yeah. A bunch of love, people. How about joy? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> joy. Peace. How many of you peace? Calm, people. Yeah. All right. Peace. Kindness. Right there. Kindness on the front row. Goodness goodness, he's a good person. Faithfulness, they just kind of keep going. They love that one. Faithfulness, gentleness, got some gentle, yeah. Self-control, a little less. Okay, everybody for patience. <laughs> patience is probably one of the harder ones. Who else like long-suffering? Yeah, I love that one. That's just one of my, you know, the deal is patience probably isn't anybody's number one, right? I mean, just not, being honest, patience is a, is a hard one. I've got an old friend, Catherine Walcher, grew up on a farm and uh, got to do the tractor thing. The, and so I uh, don't know if, they, if that's what it really looks like <laughs> because I'm not really a farmer guy. Randy's going to know, but I, I don't know yet. But I want to go ride the thing when you get it and then we'll all... <laughs> so. And so, uh, Kath, back to Catherine. She's telling me the story. She said, when we plow, she's from Kansas, Oklahoma area, and when we would plow, you know, you, you do this year after year, a couple, two, three years, the plow only goes so deep. You stir up the ground, but it only goes so deep. And what happens is, right below the ground that's stirred up, the ground gets really hard, like almost like a concrete shelf. And every few years, you have to do what's called a deep plow where the, the, those tongs, those, those blades go way down deep and they, they dig up that shelf that gets in under there, under the, under, the, under the earth, so that the whole thing, all the nutrients and everything, so that it can be what it's supposed to be. Does that make sense? That's the way patience is in our lives. You know, we're, we're kind of function at, at a certain level, but patience goes the deep plow into our lives and allows us to function at a much you know, in a totally different kind of way. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Okay. So what do we do when the Lord is slow in coming? And like I said, you know, for most of us, it's not just our expectation of the Lord coming. It's also we go through difficult situations. Uh, these verses that we're looking at today, I, I've shared this in the last few weeks. We're looking at the revised common lectionary, these passages that the church around the world is actually using. We're doing this together because we're measuring time by, by the church calendar. So the church calendar just started. Advent. Just, our year in the church just started. So it's, it's an important thing for us to know. We measure time. And 
And the world around us also measures time sometimes like the church. So the, church, the world around us is really latched on to Christmas, you know, because there's a dollar to be made, right? Consumerism, all of that. You know, Easter, you know, it's like Hallmark has totally bought into the church calendar, except for Lent. Lent is like you give up stuff, you don't buy things. It's not real commercialized, Lent. <laughs> We're going to do some stuff with Lent this year. I'm excited about that. But uh, as I read these passages, these three that we're going to be looking at today, each passage has a command to worship. And that's, that's a big deal. And something else jumped out at me as I read these things was the, is the idea of joy and rejoicing. Okay, so the idea is that we're patiently waiting for the Lord to come and we're patiently waiting with joy. So, you know, the main thing is this. Let's just flash that up. If I was going to put it in one sentence... God is calling us to a lifestyle of worship and rejoicing as we patiently wait for Jesus to come. Okay, as I've been thinking about this word and even the way it happened in the first service as well, I just want to say um, that I think that this word today really may be a word for Christ Fellowship, like a, a word for people in this church, because I, I know as I think about situations all around the room, there are there are things that we're longing to happen that haven't happened yet. There's things that we want to see happen that we haven't realized yet. And it's in that delay period. That's when the hard stuff happens. It's, it's when we're delayed. That's when we're pressed. And so the Lord wants to bring breakthrough. If you're wanting something to change and you want to see breakthrough, then this, we need this word. Right? Does that make sense? Okay, so while we're waiting, and here's the good news. While we're waiting, I'm going to be talking about worship here, but there's, I just want to say there is grace. There is grace while we're waiting to worship and to rejoice, even in the midst of our trials. Okay, so can we just say there is grace together? There is grace. So let's look at these passages together. First of all, there's grace to praise God's name with joy. Isaiah chapter 12 Verse 2, Father, bless the reading of Your Word today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy, You will draw waters, water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, You will say... Okay, so let me pause. In that day, they're looking forward to the coming of Christ... And we've experienced that, but we're looking forward to His coming again. And so in that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord. Call on His name. Make known among the nations what He has done and proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for He's done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Amen. Yes, Lord. When I'm waiting, can I just be honest? Uh, and you're going, I hope you would be. But when I'm waiting, I don't always, that's not always my first thought. It's not always my go-to kind of thought is, is when I'm being tested in patience. Um, why do you think there's so many commands in the Bible to worship? It's like all through the whole deal. It's like God's really needy and just needs a certain 
quota of worship from us? Or could it be that this is how we were made to live in His image? And that it's for our best that we worship, that we learn to rejoice in the midst of hard things and trials and situations that are really, really hard. It's not just about God. It's best for us. And so how do we do it? How do we praise God? And I'll just give you a little analogy here. How many of you guys are Cowboy fans? These, these are some timid fans this year, I might add. For good reason. <laughs> Trick question? Trick question? I don't know. Okay, so scratch cowboy example. Let's, let me pull you in. How many of you guys have ever been a fan of something related to sports? How's that? Where they were trying to do something, score a goal, cross the goal line, you know, kick, kick you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so when you're watching the game and they score that touchdown, you know, go frogs, you know, they score that touchdown and, you know, you've been, you hoping, 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 and then, yes, yes. You know, and everybody stands up and they cheer. And that is so just the right thing to do. But think about uh, the the thing that hits me, too, is that it's not driven by personality type. You know, so it's not just the, you know, the introverts sitting there, they score the touchdown. And (laughs) extroverts are like, yeah, yeah. No, everybody, everybody stand up cheering. You're high fiving with people you don't know behind you. It's a weird moment. And and. And worshiping God should be so much bigger than cheering for the frogs, right? Or cheer, certainly cheering for the cowboys, especially this year, right? And so, so it's, it's a bigger deal. And it's not, it's not, I'm not talking about personality types. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And even if you were more subdued, more subdued, it, you know, okay, the symphony. Even at the end of a good symphony, bravo, 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 bravo. And right, you're like, have you ever been to a symphony? <laughs> I think that's what they do. I see them in the tuxes and. Seems right. And so the deal is, hey, God's calling us to a kind of praise. And, and it, it should, there's times when it's like crossing the goal line. It's the big ending. And, and you don't have to shout and do all that kind of stuff all the time. But there's at least some time, you know, we're all of us. And I want to just encourage us to, to experiment, to take next steps in worship. There are times when something wonderful has happened in your life. Uh, I saw the video from, from uh, Jimmy. I didn't get to see the whole thing, but Antioch got this massive gift, and then they had a whole bunch of money come in for the building down in Waco, and, and he was just like, yes, Lord, and, and gave a big cheer, and it's like, that's right. It's right. It's righteous that we, we worship like that, and we give thanks to God like that. For me, there's something about getting in God's presence and encountering God in worship that's powerful. It's part of why we started Christ Fellowship. We were like, uh, I didn't know anybody that ever planted a church, and but worship was a big deal. It was we were kind of like uh, pilgrims, you know, crossing the ocean for freedom to be able to worship. And this past week, I or actually a week and a half ago, I sat down and did some thinking about our worship, and it was a three-hour 
kind of very edifying time of just thinking about what we value in worship here at Christ Fellowship. And we value being and developing people to worship in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24, the Father's looking for people, worshipers, who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. That means from the inside out. And again, it's not how demonstrative you are, but it's like if you're worshiping God on the inside and He's done all of this for you, it's, it's like you can't stay unaffected on the outside. Even if you're not a very demonstrative person, I mean, his salvation, his goodness, his life, his freedom, his joy, all the, who he is and what he's doing and will do and all of that. It's like even just sitting there, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And there's times of joy and there's times of tears and there's times of lifting our hands. There's times of, of, of dancing, you know, like this morning you were good and I'll shout and all that stuff. It's good. We value the freedom to worship God like we see worship in the scriptures. All that stuff. Kneeling, falling, dancing, clapping, shouting, lifting our hands. You know, the, the, the crash of the cymbals. You know, all those things are right out of the Psalms and right out of the Bible. We want to be able to worship God like that, that we value that. We value being learners in worship who, who are willing to take the next step of growth. And so I just encourage you guys, uh, be a learner. Nobody's arrived. I haven't arrived, and I love it. I'm going to be growing in my worship of Jesus for eternity. You know, we value uh, treasuring and, and loving Jesus who has revealed to us His relationship with His Father in the Spirit and invited us into this crazy, wonderful, divine romance, this dance of love of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We value creating a worship environment where people can encounter the presence of God and be changed. Now, we value that. All the love, the hope, the life, the forgiveness, the freedom, praying for each other, getting words for each other, speaking life-giving, strengthening, encouraging, and comforting words that build us up. We value that at Christ Fellowship. We value uh, what happens when we come together as a community, and it's different than when I worship by myself. This morning, I got up really early, my habit on Sunday morning, and to worship a little bit. And I had Fernando Ortega... Older, older people know Fernando, you know, and this sing to Jesus, the Lord of our shame. Oh, it was just awesome. And I, I didn't, wasn't even that familiar with that song. And Julie Pennington had sent this, this, uh, this, this email. It had, she had a breakthrough praying over the city in Chiang Rai doing this song, sing to Jesus. And it was just like awesome, glory zone this morning. But as wonderful as that was this morning, it's not as good as being with you guys. It's just something happens when we prepare, prepare our hearts, get ready, get ready. We're coming in here. We're not spectators. We are participants in this divine, beautiful, wonderful, thin place that God, and we value creating a thin place, expecting heaven to touch earth, expecting to hear the sounds of heaven, the sounds of heaven breaking out, us joining with the worship that's going on in heaven, starting to preach. And so... And so we value what happens even being to just the community and the love that we experience. Yes, it's about God, but He's doing something in us as we worship together. And this good? And we value, you know, who we are as a people. This, this church that God's called us to be, 
this life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church that's going to touch the nations of the earth. We value that, but that means that we have to be a worshiping people here that have something that's worth being reproduced in the nations of the earth. And so we value worship because we want to be a life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church. Now you guys say that. So, big deal. Big deal. So, that's the, that's the first thing I wanted to say. Okay, so while we're waiting for Jesus, there's grace to praise God's name with joy. The second piece, second scripture from the lectionary is while we're waiting, there's grace to understand God's joy over us. So turn in your Bibles to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14. Yeah, some of you guys like to turn in your pages, and I really want to encourage you to do that if you've got your Bible. Really do it. Go for it. It's just there's something about seeing it in your own. And if you've got an you know, electronic device, that's, that's great too. And, you, and I use them. I, I use them. But there's, I like opening my Bible. I like turning the pages and stuff still. Old school. Sorry. Um, okay. So this is a continuation. Kind of the same thing, but then it transitions to talking about God's heart for us. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. And on that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp like just you've given up. Don't, don't do that. The Lord, your God, is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The sorrows for the appointed feasts I will remove from you. They are a burden and a reproach to you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame and gather those who have been scattered. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they were put to shame. And at that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth and restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. Amen. Okay, so powerful passage, and especially that middle section where it's talking about how the Lord feels about us, how the Lord has delight over us. This past week, I got one of, if not the most encouraging text communication I've ever received from my dad. It was awesome. I mean, I just, I read it and I was just, you know, uh, you know, just a mess, tears and the whole bit. And it was just, it seemed to me just over the top, like, dad, how could you say all of that, you know, about me? And, and I needed to hear it. But then I, I read this passage and I thought, it's almost like dad was saying more than I could hear my Father in heaven say about me. It was weird. And, it, and I, it, I knew that's a red flag. That's a, that's a red flag. If I can hear my, my dad say more than I can hear my Father say. Does that make sense? I, I knew something needed correction there in my life. And, and, and we, all, we all need to grow in this. In this grace of hearing how the Father feels. That He's, I'm mighty to save. I will quiet you with my love. I rejoice over you with singing. Now, the reason that's so hard for us to hear is because we're fallen. This is, this is what happens 
to us in the fall. The knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's not, it's not always just overt sin that you can see. It's judgments that we make and put ourselves in the place of saying what's right, not just what's wrong, but what's right. Okay? So that's confusing to us, but it's darkness. The reality is it's darkness. There's only one who can give us light, and it's Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. And apart from Him, you know, our little judgments about everybody and this, that, and the other, and what's good and what's not, and this nation and that nation, and politics and not, 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 you know, it's darkness apart from Jesus Christ. Even if it appears good to us, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so our, our fallen state is darkness. Our fallen state is toxic thinking about life. And in our shame, in the sin of our past, our brokenness, then we start looking at life like that. It's like a toxic river just kind of just flows, radioactive, toxic, green river flowing out of us as we judge the world you know, around us. Big toxic 50-gallon drums floating down this toxic river of darkness as we judge things in the world around us apart from Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? And it affects everything. It affects our relationships. It affects how we walk in joy. And this is one of the saddest things of all that really affects everything. It affects the way we see the Father. And so out of our pain and this toxic river, we dip our paintbrush into that thing and mess it around on our palate and then paint God's face with all of our wounds, junk, stuff. And we really try to make God kind of look like us. And this is, this is the fall. I mean, this is why we, there's grace to understand God's joy over us. It's why we need to see Jesus. Jesus, you know, I mean, and this is one of the more explicit passages in the Old Testament, but, and you can kind of go, well, is that really like God? But Jesus reveals the Father. Jesus reveals to us what God is like. And it's so huge. We have to keep looking to Jesus to understand what the Father is like, to understand what God is like. Am I? I just, I want to sound a note that, you know, a lot of you guys have been around a while and you'd go, I think he really wants us to look to Jesus. And, and I do. Because he reveals God. He reveals God. He shows us in the flesh what God is like. And so, amen. So uh, there's grace to understand God's joy over us. Third piece, third scripture. There is grace. Oh man, let's read it together. There is grace to obey God's command to rejoice. Now, you know, whenever we talk about obedience, man, everybody just kind of kind of gets heavy, a little more quiet. Or talk about commands and obeying commands. I love to emphasize the command to thanksgiving. It's God's will for you to give thanks in all circumstances. And to obey, you know, this, this command to rejoice from Philippians 4, it's a straight up command and it's going to help us. It's for our good. So let's turn there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. The situation here is that there's been tension in the church because of this conflict between these two leading ladies, Euodia and Syntyche. Okay, and so really a climactic moment of this letter is Paul then saying, okay, 
I plead with Yodi and Sinski to agree with each other in the Lord. And then he gives this command right here. And the command is, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So the Lord is near. All through this letter, he's been saying the day of Christ is coming. The day of Christ is coming. He says at the end of chapter 3, right there before that, that Jesus is coming again to transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body. You know, it's the coming again theme. And here again, he says the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. That means asking, praying and asking with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So here we go. Great time in this letter. Paul's calling us to rejoicing. And it's a, it's a command that, that we don't... It's not always the go-to thing for us, but it's something that we need to remember. We need to be encouraged about in the Word of God to do this. Encourage me. Seriously, encourage me. We were just... Uh, Friday night, we went to... We had an office, uh, our office party, and then we left, and then we went to Kim's office party. We go over to 7th, there was a, at a restaurant over there on 7th, and we go into the parking garage. Anybody ever been in the parking garage right there on 7th where the restaurants are? And, you, and every time I've ever been in there before, there's parking spots. Something you'd expect. They let us in, the gate goes up, we take the ticket, and I, it, there's dead ends all over this parking garage. And so you go, and you get to a dead end, there's no parking spots, and there's people lined up behind you. And my first response wasn't, Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I, my go-to was kind of a little gripey. Just, you know, what are we going to do? There's people behind us, you know, and everybody's awkwardly inching back in their cars, back down the thing, you know, and I need encouragement. We all need encouragement, right? In this, in this thing. So, obey God's command to rejoice. C.S. Lewis, famous brother from the 20th century, he wrote a, 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 one of his books. It's called Letters to Malcolm. Letters to Malcolm. And in one of his letters to Malcolm, he said, you know, certain activities that we participate in this life, certain activities seem to be frivolous. Things like singing, dancing, they seem to be frivolous. It almost seems like an escape or a rest from our normal activities of just going through life, right? But he told Malcolm, he said, things are upside down here. Things are upside down here. And he goes on and he says, quote, to Malcolm, he says, joy is actually the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. I found a great definition of rejoice from Webster's, the old Webster's dictionary, says to feel or show that you are very happy. Okay, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. To feel. Well, I feel that I'm very happy. <laughs> it's to feel and to show that I'm very happy. 
great definition. I love that. And so then the command for us is to stir ourselves up in the Lord. Think about Jesus and how good he is and what he's, how valuable he is, how great his worth is, and worship him in that place. Delight, glory, joy, to be extraordinarily proud. That's where that definition goes on. For me, who are the most extraordinarily proud people you can think of? Grandparents. Grandparents. They are unbelievably proud that these little, the little guys, they get to spoil and then send back home, you know, with their parents, right? But that's, that's what he's calling us to, to rejoice like that. Be proud like that of God. Be proud like that of Jesus and what he's brought us into. I remember years ago, there was a season where my main response to people, and I just would, I worked to stir myself up in God. And so people would say, how are you doing? And I'd say, I am happy in Jesus. And I found out later that that bugged some people. That <laughs> really made them angry. And, and, and said, I just never thought you were being honest. Thought you were being fake. To be stirred up in Jesus and tell people you're happy about it. You know, and here's the thing. We, just like we do this with God, we want to kind of make God in our image apart from Jesus. We'll just kind of say he's kind of like the way we think. And we'll do the same thing with other people. I just want them, I want you to be like me. I'm kind of frowny. The glass is not, it's half empty, third empty, hardly has anything in it ever. Ah, you know, that's the glass. There's not even a glass there. (laughs) You know, it's a bummer. Just life's a bummer. And so we have to look to Jesus to keep recalibrating, to keep seeing the way to think and the right attitude to have. So why is all of this so important? I want to just bring this home, this last minute here. Why is all this so important? It's because until the Lord comes, we will be waiting for Him and for different things in our lives. Like there really are, just think about your life. You've, if you've lived any amount of time, you've experienced some delays. You wanted something to happen and there was a delay. Or it was difficult. It was just a hard season. It's like, wow, why is this so hard? You know, and it just, and it seems to be going on. You know, it's just not getting the way I want it to be. And this, it's a life-changing command then to bring rejoicing into the middle of my delays and my difficulties and my hard times. Count it all, count it all joy. When you face trials, you know, it's to bring that kind of rejoicing right into the middle of that. And the big deal is we all have practical situations all around this room. It's your parents. It's it's your kids. It's your it's your marriage. You know, is is there a delay in something that's going on in my marriage? Is there a delay that's going on with my kids or my parents or my, my workplace? You know, my vocation, what I'm doing is this is this thing like or relationships there? And the Holy Spirit can help you with, I don't know all the situations, but I know that delays happen. This is real. It's a real deal. Delays happen. Difficulties happen. And we all have a choice. That's where I'm going with this. Everybody's got a choice. And I can choose toxic, you know, toxic river thinking about the situation, or I can choose to rejoice. Because I'm not always going to feel like rejoicing maybe even rarely, in the middle of my big delay. But what happens is this command to do this, it's not so that God's 
praise meter will get to the right spot. It's, it's for you. It's for me. It's for us. You know, it's that it, He changes us in the midst of our rejoicing, even in the hard stuff. And it's not being fake. It's, it's, it's going, God, this is hard, but I'm, I will. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? I will put my hope in the Lord. And I will trust God. And I will praise Him. And I will, even in this moment, I, right now, you know, I'm just going to, Lord, I praise You! Shout aloud for joy to the Lord. You know, to the rock of our salvation. You know, I'm going to change the atmosphere in the way I'm thinking about this thing. I had multiple people talk to me after the first service like that word was so right on for this situation as I'm going into Christmas. You know, all of us. You know, you go, you go into those situations at Christmas time and it's like you're, it's like you're 18 years old you know, and you, you're still doing all the goofy stuff. You might be 50, but, you know, you're still, it's, you're back and it's a time machine. You step into that Christmas dinner and, you know, and God wants to change that atmosphere. He wants to change that atmosphere. He wants to change that situation. He wants to change you and me and us. And the good news, remember, there's grace. I don't do this perfectly. I'm I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you guys. There is no perfect praiser. There's no uh, reliable rejoicer. There's no worry-free worshiper. Um, we could probably go on on those for a little bit. But you know, what, I, what I'm discovering is that God knows. He knows me and He knows you. He knows our hearts. He knows how much we need Him. He knows how frail we are. Can I just get a shout out on fragility? <laughs> Glory. That's me, man. It's like, wow. I was praying the other night, just, Lord, I'm so fragile. I, I wish I was just had it all together. On a journey. Can, can we be on a journey? And the, the, the good news is there's grace. There's grace to cultivate a lifestyle of worship that changes and transforms all the stuff that we're going through so that we'll be more and more and more like Jesus. That's our destiny, is to be conformed into the image of Christ and worship and rejoicing and patiently waiting with joy is how we get there. So stand up. We're going to have a little time of responding to God this morning. If you're visiting with us, we do this every Sunday. And uh, worship team will come up here. We'll have a few people across the front for ministry. Just a, a ministry team. So ministry team, come on up. And uh, we believe that God meets us right here in these times after the service just as we say, Lord, I, I want to get prayer. And like I said earlier, I think this word is a significant word for us. If you're going through a delay time, a difficult time, and you need breakthrough, you need a, a breakthrough, you're, you're here, but you need to be over here, then, then now's a time to get prayer. Just to say, Lord, uh, give grace to start rejoicing in the midst of this trial. Give grace to me, Lord. And, and maybe, you know, like that word, that picture about the, the metal detector going off. God wants to take those things like something's hindering you. Anxiety, anger, unforgiveness, just a need for grace. You know, He wants to take where you're at and bring you into a place of praise. And so... Uh, we just want to respond to God. If the front fills up here, 
then, and you've got somebody close by, say, hey, can I, can I pray for you? You know, just, just you're released to pray, to see life change. I, I, oh, Lord, would you bring life change to us today in Jesus' mighty name? Would you bring breakthroughs in worship and praise and rejoicing and thanksgiving? Lord, would you give us grace to just praise your name with joy, to understand your joy over us? Lord, to obey the command to rejoice. In Jesus' mighty name. Hey, whatever your need is today, please don't leave without getting help from someone. Getting someone to pray for you. It's just, it's good for our souls when we do this. Amen. Let's worship together. Get prayer. Come on, what, whatever your need is. Be bold about it. Go for it. Breakthrough times. Breakthrough times.